Hello, everybody, and welcome to Tech Trends Podcast. I am Benjamin Moses, the Director of Manufacturing Technology, and we're here to discuss research and news. Also here with... Stephen Lamarca, and I am the Manufacturing Technology Analyst. Awesome, Steve. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. We did that without fumbling on our <laughs> titles. <laughs> I pat myself on the back. We should be really proud of that. I don't know why I have such a difficult <laughs> time with my title. <laughs> Me too. So uh, before we get started talking about the, the test bed and articles, I ran across two issues again with the, my home automation experiment. Okay. This is with outdoors uh, with my sprinkler system. So it's a simple, straightforward sprinkler system. It's uh, I'm running hoses, green hoses on top of the lawn uh, to gear-driven okay. sprinklers. And I just have timers on the, uh, on the, um, on the uh, faucet. Uh, so th it's you know, a timed sprinkler. But one thing I know, it's been working great so far. Grass is kind of green. We're in Maryland. I don't expect tons of green grass. Mm -hmm. But there's two issues that came up. One was uh, I had uh, some work done on my driveway. It was dipping right before the um, uh, garage. So it's kind of a pain to drive in. So they f uh, the builder fixed that. But what they didn't tell me was they moved one of the sprinklers. So the only reason I noticed that uh, was because that portion, that side of the grass, mm -hmm. started turning brown. And when I looked at the sprinkler, it was pointed at my neighbor's car. So for like a week, I was spraying my neighbor's car just with the sprinkler for every day in the morning for about 20 minutes. Wow. Uh, so one of the key takeaways of the automation side, uh, from my perspective in this uh, scenario, was the uh, need for communication. Yeah. You know, the guy uh, came in, did the work. They weren't there. Uh, I wasn't there when they came into the work. Yeah. Uh, if they left a sticky note, uh, <laughs> I didn't notice that they left a rock where the sprinkler was, which is good. I know where the sprinkler goes back, but mm. I didn't know that they removed the sprinkler. Wow. So I think, you know, you know, if people, other people are getting involved besides the one designed the system, besides the one running the yeah. system, any type of communication, a sticky note, uh, if you spray painted something on the on the driveway after they put it put a chalk line or something, any type of communication would yeah. be helpful. And you know, that's kind of awkward uh, stage or, or an awkward area in in, in a lot of service. I right. think, like you know, I, I put in a lot of uh, maintenance requests at my apartment complex and. And you know sometimes they get it right and sometimes they don't. It's about it's about fifty fifty whether right. or not the fix is gonna work. Yep. And it's it, it, it and lately I've just been like I want to be there when they show up. Right. I want to be right. so like I can make sure that they do a good job. But at the same time, you don't want to be hovering over the person because right. you know they're not gonna be a happy worker if they've got the person there. Yeah, and right. I feel the same way about um, uh, taking my like car to the shop. Sure. Sure. It's. I, every now and then I have some awkward work done. Like, you know, that handoff and delegation is really It's like, shady. dude, the, br the brakes squeak. Right. I want you to put on this high temperature grease. And uh, and they're like, oh, well, 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 we just applied it to the slide pins because that's usually, no, apply it to like the back of the pads too. Well, you're supposed to. Yeah. And yeah, I agree. The other scenario I ran into was, uh, again, with the sprinklers, for some reason I have one sprinkler that breaks. Mm -hmm. The second time it's, it's broken. And uh, I didn't realize it was broken until. Uh, so it, it covers a big portion of my lawn yes. that one sprinkler does. And then I came outside one day checking the mail or something, and I realized that there's one strip of green grass <laughs> and a huge fan of brown grass. So I'm like, this is not working out well. What happened here? So I did a quick check. Uh, oh, it was right before I was cutting the grass. Was it the motor drives or was it just programming? No, no, it was the motor. So it's a okay. gear-driven uh, sprinkler head, and okay. I think some uh, something got stuck inside of it. Yeah. I do have deer eating some of my... Of flowers in front, so I have a feeling the deer must have knocked it. Yeah, and it's a weird location Maybe. too, so it, there's not much traffic. I don't know, man. It, something broke in the system, right. but the the interesting thing was the the, the quality checks that's required to make sure the function the system's functioning properly. Yeah, I think it's pretty important for uh, some level of automation. Like in this case, I, I could see the 
the grass was getting browner. Yeah. Where it's in the portion that should be covered by the uh, by the water, and it shouldn't be getting brown. So that's the first indicator. It turned brown relatively quick, and it's growing back again. But one thing I did notice is the uh, this failure, and I was able to fix it relatively quick sure. by just replacing the part. So. Are these also the sprinklers that like deploy up out of the ground, or are no, they no, always no, no. out of the ground? No, they're all, um, I'm way too cheap for that, Steve. They're always no. That's a the good ground. thing. There's <laughs> no, 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 no. That's not. An, it's not a matter of being like uh, cheap or not. Right. That bougie. Those bougie sprinklers <laughs> that like pop like and deploy yeah. out of the ground. Yeah. Like this is like some sci-fi sentry gun or right. something like that. They always jam. Yes. Like I had yeah. my uncle had those for like the longest time. Yep. They would never work yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. But they got to articulate up, and then they got to rotate around. That's too much yeah, motion. They never deploy. That's way too much. Or, or the really crazy thing. So, the, so if it doesn't deploy, right. the water pressure actually builds up under them. Oh, that's right. So after like the the, the timer goes off, yeah. and after they stop water watering, there's still water <laughs> pressure built up in like that one sprinkler that didn't deploy. Yep. And if somebody like walking their dog goes by your yard. And the dog like sniffs the sprinkler sure. and just lodges whatever <laughs> blocked it from deploying at yep. a place, and it deploys. Oh, no. Everybody gets wet. <laughs> the dog gets scared. You get yelled at because <laughs> it's just there's there's so much nonsense yeah. with keeping grass green. We so don't even want to talk to the people about and on the west coast about <laughs> no, that. No. So it's two lessons I learned. One is just communication, and the second is just do quality checks once in a while. I should I Absolutely. should run the sprinkler system once once a month just to make sure things are running properly or just look at the lawn that yeah. helps too yeah so see if you got some interesting things were happening in the test bed once you walk us through it yeah so you know so elena who is our recent um uh, is our guest on the test bed and recent uh, high school graduate yep. sadly she'll be going to college wpi That's up good. in massachusetts she'll That's be uh, she'll be it's, it's bittersweet yeah um because she's done some great work like you should see the uh, the, the 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 file folder of all the g-code okay. on our um like, like over the past two years, I think I have like 10 G-code programs, sure. uh, 10 programs for the test bed, the pocket NC. Yep. In the past two years, yep. she's been here for like, what, two, three months? Right. And there's probably 100 <laughs> G-code programs. <laughs> now, a lot. lot of them are r refinements sure. and whatnot, but yeah. still, man, that's a lot of programs. Anyway, it'll be sad to see her go, but she's coming in again tonight with her friend Sam Steele. Okay, um, this is a real person. This is a real person, okay. not some superhero. Um, but uh, he was also here last week, and what we did last week is he uh, he was like, okay, you guys have a five-axis machine. Let's do some five-axis uh, machining. Okay. And I'm like, well, easier said than done. <laughs> have Elena help you out right. and you know, bring me a program, and let's run it. And so last week we ran it, and... Um, of course it failed. There was two failures. Um, the first work piece that we threw in, um, everything was going great. And by the way, Sam, what he wanted to make was a, uh, I wrote it down here because I want to say geodesic, but it was a geometric dome. Okay. Maybe actually be geodesic, whatever. Right, sure. Geometric dome. Essentially, he wants to mill out from, you know, our two by two by two stock, right. a hemisphere okay. with um, gemstone-like facets. Sure. You know, not a perfect hemisphere, right. but, you know. Some flats on it. Some flats that aren't necessarily flat either. They're kind of like <laughs> contoured and smooth, but it, it still uses all five axes sure. of the machine. Yeah. So I'm like, awesome, let's run this. And um, everything's going great. And the first failure we came across is the B-table issue, rear okay. its ugly head again. Right. So it's not a big problem because I know the, the quick fix. Okay. Um, eventually I will, you know, maybe we'll... Uh, put some R&D dollar uh, uh, of our test bed dollars to uh, upgrading to the V2, sure. but uh, which should fix a lot of it. And I'll okay. talk to them about that. But um, 
I did the immediate fix, which was just take the cover off of the B table and to expose the pulleys and uh, gears right. and realign the drive belt for the B table. And, you know, after a few rotations, because it still stalls a little bit after you do that fix because it wants to get everything in place. And once it's in place, everything works fine for probably in the next 100 rotations. Right. And then it needs to be realigned again. Sure. Anyway, you know, it, it's funny. This machine has like a, a periodic maintenance and it needs its <laughs> timing belt uh, checked on the B table. Uh, but anyway, um, that was the first problem we ran into. So it started doing milling and the B table wasn't moving. Right. So I was like, we need, we, we only got four axes <laughs> moving when we need all five. Yeah. Um, and then the second problem was, so, the, so that night, it, the B table failed, and it was already late. Elena got a uh, angry text from her mom's <laughs> at eleven o'clock, and was like, "You need to come home now. You can't be staying out all night." Sure, sure, okay. Um, so I ran it again the next morning, and the next problem was we got on like, I think it was a forty-five thousand line G code program, okay. and it stalled on like line thirty-five thousand. Oh, so we were uh, almost done, and I actually have the part just over there, yeah. but. Um, it did all the roughing passes just fine. It was okay. The last few finishing passes, it, an error popped up, and I told Elena about it. And they're coming in tonight, and okay. uh, we're going to see, you know, if uh, they have a solution for yeah. it or if they want to just go on and make the next thing. Because sure. I mean, it's just a geodesic dome. Sure. Yeah, we're okay. using all five axes, but okay. what are we going to use this thing for? Um, they're going to come back tonight. But anyway, that's what we did on the test bed, and. Um, so the week before that, and I talked about this on the last podcast, she finally, she successfully made the 20-sided die, okay. the uh, awesome. icosahedron. <laughs> um, and um, it, we got the working program, and she now has been working on making the program more efficient. Okay. Because awesome. there were some excessive lines here and there, and that ties perfectly to the Tech Trends article yeah. that I have, which was by um, Advanced Manufacturing Media at advancedmanufacturing.org. And the, um, the title of that article is More Profitable Toolpaths. And they're basically talking about, it, it's a pretty long-winded article, but it gets you thinking, and I think that was the huge value behind it. And, you know, they're talking about using software to make the most ideal toolpaths. And th the problem with a lot of people and, and shops even is they'll, they'll write a program and they'll refine the program until the program works right. and the machine can be left alone. And a lot of people stop there. And I'm, I'm not going to fault them. I stop there most of the time. Sure. Once I get a program that works and, it can, and the machine can do it by itself, awesome. You know. But how do you make the most profitable toolpath is you cut back on some redundancies mm -hmm. and maybe you add a little bit more toolpaths to another part that sure. seems a little rough. And a lot of places don't go that go that route to making it better like that, unless they're trying to meet really strict tolerances. Um, but again, you know, the, the, a lot of places, more places than they probably should follow. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And um, in the article, they talk about there's a lot of software out there today that will take what toolpaths you have now. Okay. Um, and make your G-code more efficient. I like it. And uh, actually, Herco, like my, one of my first years working here, I saw a Herco video, okay. and they have a program that optimizes toolpaths, and they say, you know, a lot of people engineer their toolpaths and, and think of it like, you know, a car from getting point A to point B, which is essentially what a CNC machine does, sure. um, using coordinate systems. Um, 
but it, it, you know, CNC should be more than an appliance getting from point A to point B. You know, to make maximize your profit, you really need the machine acting like a race car. Right. And Herco dropped the line. You know, you need the drivers aligned <laughs> to take the corners as efficiently and as quickly right. as possible. And it's the truth. After yeah. having seen, you know, the programs that I've made on, on on our machine, it's like there's areas where we're wasting a lot of time cutting air right. when there's stock in there yeah. and. Um, you know, it, it really only, out of like 10 passes it makes, you only make the slightest bit of contact with the part right. once. And there's other areas where, you know, you make 10 passes um, and you really should be making like 12 to 15 <laughs> passes on it. Yeah. Um, that's the interesting thing. I mean, there's a lot of lessons learned to go there's through. There's a lot, huge amount of lessons so learned. So you're trying to save time, but also yeah. the other side of it is uh, improving cutter quality and cutter life. Yeah, exactly. So there's a whole ecosystem of things that to be saved by continuing to iterate. Yeah. Well, you've already developed a safe process to get mm -hmm. parts out the door. Exactly. The customer's got to get satisfied, but you can come back and say, while you're getting satisfied, I'm going to make more money. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a perfectly reasonable approach Absolutely. to Absolutely. Absolutely. And the article really focused on... Um, the the R and D investment should be in software because okay. there's a lot of software out there to right. optimize your tool paths. Cool. Um, but I think you know if you have a really creative machinist in your shop um, and programmer, um, another less expensive than you would think because we have one for crying out loud mm -hmm. is invest in a test bed. Sure. While yeah. like get get the program to where it works and it can run by itself. You right. don't need somebody hovering over the e stop button. Yep and run those parts. And while the machine can run by itself until it needs more stock or whatever, um, that same machinist who made the program in the first place, they should be, or the technician or, or operator, whatever right. term you want to use for them, um, should be able to have a test bed available yeah. to them right. so they can optimize that program further to keep it working and working even faster. One thing that is uh, not talked about often is in the simulation side, so mm -hmm. iterating is including all your work holding. So you're including basically everything yes. in your in your environment to avoid crash, to avoid uh, snagging your cutter and things like that. Uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago we were comparing crash videos and it's tragic to see the solid carbide cutter that's very expensive. Oh my God. gets sheared off. I'm like, oh, there that goes. Yeah. So that, that's awesome. I like to see that. Yeah, driving the need for a test bed continue harvesting your uh, profits is awesome exactly and yeah. there's and it's like in the, the, you know like i said there's there's two options you yep. know you can either do software that yep. can promise advanced tool paths right out of the gate yep. so once you have a working program then it makes it better or you can get a test bed yeah. and a test bed you know has more flexibility yeah. than i think software just designed yeah. for one thing you can test work holding you can test automation you can test so many physical assets of it too yeah so I, I got an interesting article on additive. It's actually actually from the same group, so advancedmanufacturing.org. Nice. Uh, so they're talking about the other side of additive. So everyone's really interested in additive uh, disrupting manufacturing. Yes. Ah, but which is partially true, but there's still a lot of things that ha need to happen upstream. So the ar article talked about, one, the benefits of going to additive and what's needed right. in the design world. So in the right. beginning portion of the uh, article, it talks about the G, uh, GV aviation application, where in one application, they reduced the weight by 25% and uh, increased the cost efficiency by 30%. Okay. Just running that engine just by converting, doing a fair amount of design work to harness the value of additive and implementing that in their engine. Um, the article also 
the core of the article really focuses on the need for aerospace to shift from non-critical hardware to critical hardware. And the U.S. Army is really interested in doing that. They have a use case uh, on one of their, I think, helicopters, one of the inlet um, uh, components, where they want to uh, add, as we go to that part, to harness what GE, similar to what GE has on, on their savings. Um, but what they're saying is the manufacturing is okay. They're comfortable with what the direction that's going is they want to drive information further upstream okay. to design world to uh, alleviate some of the issues that they're having in manufacturing and be able to predict the benefits that they're going to see in real-life application. So some of the issues that they're running into are the need for uh, standards. So uh, material okay. databases, okay. Uh, getting information captured digitally, uh, in-situation monitoring, uh, cultural change, because mm -hmm. you know once a lot of the information is inherited to the design engineer, it's not passed down from generation. And the other side is alloy development. So back to what type of alloys are being printed. Yeah. Um, and what that information can do is, uh, the case that NASA brought up was, you know, they may be printing a, a significant amount of parts. So the use case that they talked about was, say they printed 1,000 parts or 40,000 parts. Parts really doesn't matter. In the current application, the current system that they have, they have to CT scan every single part. That is outrageously expensive and super time consuming. Yeah, as if additive isn't slow enough. And if you get a defect, you're screwed. You just throw that part away and right. maybe, okay. Maybe and that's expensive it. material yeah, too. Yeah, exactly. So what they want to do is have uh, drive for more reliability. And a lot of that can be driven from the information that we talked about, but also uh, standards. So uh, I'll end with a quote here. They talk about standards help us uh, develop reliability. Yeah. Reliability on materials, processes, and geometry are necessary if we want going to have reproducible parts. Reproducible parts are required to achieve certification. Mm -hmm. So anything in the aerospace world, they need to start driving that way. And they want to harness those benefits. And they're seeing a real-life application and gains from implementing a lot of these things. Yeah, I think standards with additive are now more important for than ever because the development, or the, the research and development in, in additive is just off the charts right now. It's, right. it's only getting faster and faster and things are getting better and better. And there's no way for something like software um, or you know, <laughs> if, if companies that are making uh, hybrid machines, which right. should be the end all be all machine yep. um, on, on the shop floor, they can't keep up right. because like right. these new materials, you know, if, if you're implementing a, uh, a hybrid machine um, and you're using some new alloy that was developed strictly for additive, um, then they've got to do a whole bunch of research and development right. on, you know, what are the speeds and feeds Correct. that can be used yep. with this metal um, or what have you. Yep. But uh, And with uh, the issues with the 737 MAX, the FAA is very, very particular about implementing a lot of new processes and new materials. So I bet. I could see why they're risk adverse in terms of testing out new things, which makes a lot of sense. I mean, these are flight critical hardware. So if something breaks, the aircraft has to land. Mm -hmm. uh, there's lives at stake. And with NASA's application, too, you're going to launch this thing out into outer space. That's the only thing preventing the astronaut from being killed out in space, mm -hmm. right? So it's, I think the, the criticality of these parts are uh, paramount. And you know the drive to, in, to the point where they're talking about the reproducibility so they have more confidence in these parts is critical. So it's a really good article. I was really happy with that. That is good. So, Steve, I was super happy with the recording this week, and I had a great time. Me, too. That was great. Yep. See you later, man. Bye, everybody.